It's lovely to be with you today here and carried off to have the opportunity to come and to minister God's precious word. If you have your Bible with you this morning, at this stage of our service, we'll have the scripture reading. And we're turning to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and to chapter 1. First chapter of the book of Revelation. And we're going to commence our reading at verse 9. Oftentimes in the Word of God, our Bible will tell us this is the revelation of St. John the Divine, or my Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ to St. John, but the, the title of the book is really in the first chapter, or the, and the first one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So it's the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants. And he sent and signified it by an angel unto the Lord's servant John. Then John says in verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. 
the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Amen. May God bless to us the public reading of his own inspired and his infallible word. Now we're turning again to the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 1. And we want to look at some of those verses that we read together from verse 9 on to the end of the chapter. We would call that section of chapter 1 the Apostle John's vision of Jesus. The Apostle John, his vision of Jesus Christ. You know, the Greeks in the New Testament came one day to the disciples, and they said to the disciples, Sirs, we would see Jesus. That was their desire. That was their longing that they might see the Lord Jesus Christ. And Andrew, one of the disciples, brought them to the Savior that they might meet with him. In the Old Testament scriptures, we recall how Moses, the man of God, the man whom we call the lawgiver, the one to whom the law was given, at Horeb, Moses saw the Lord. I often think of those words also in the prophecy of Isaiah, when Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filling the holy temple. And when we come into the New Testament, of course, so many were able to see the Lord Jesus Christ and his incarnation as he walked amongst men, as he preached, as he healed the sick, as he raised the dead. But then you remember after his ascension to glory, the apostle Paul, he writes and he says that on the Damascus road, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus appeared to him. He says, I am the least of all the apostles. I'm like one born out of due time. But I saw the Lord Jesus Christ appear to me there on the Damascus road. And I think that many of the problems and the difficulties in churches today and in the work of God today would be cured if we as the people of God had a fresh vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we were again like those people to whom Paul wrote the Hebrew believers, and he said, looking on to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, my, if we could get a fresh glimpse of Jesus, it would take away the coldness, it would take away the, the, the carnality, it would take away the contentions. It would bring us into a place of revival and reality with God. Amy Carmichael, the great servant of God, the great missionary to India, once wrote, she said, when you are facing the impossible, you can count upon the God of the impossible. Just as the text says as you enter into the church uh, in the porch here today. When you are facing the impossible, you can count 
upon the God of the impossible. You remember those were the words of the Lord, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And the Apostle John, he was facing what we might describe as an impossible situation. And yet in that impossible situation, he received this wonderful vision of the risen Christ. He received a revelation from the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus then, as we have read it here today, the Lord Jesus told him to put it on record for him to write the words, to write what thou hast seen. Verse 19 of Revelation chapter 1 actually gives us the outline of the whole book of Revelation. Jesus, and it's an inspired outline, it's given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, write the things which thou hast seen. John, this vision that I have given you of myself, I have come, I have met with you here on Patmos, write about it. And then he says, the things which are. And that's the letters that the Lord Jesus Christ then gave to him for the seven churches of Asia, spoken of there in verse 11, uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So Jesus says, write what you have seen, write this vision, and then write about the things that are, write the, send these letters to the churches of Asia which were existing in that day and which thank God are, are, are uh, for us today. And then he says, the things which shall be hereafter. And after the messages to the seven churches, the rest of the book of the Revelation uh, reveals to us the things which shall be hereafter, the things which are to come. But I want to notice with you this morning some very simple thoughts, because I'm a simple preacher, just some simple thoughts about John on the Isle of Patmos and how the Savior met with him. I want you to notice, first of all, what I have described as the saint's allegiance to Christ. The saint's allegiance to Christ. John says in verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother, companion in tribulation. John says, I'm your brother in Christ. I'm your companion in tribulation. And he says there, I was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now here's a saint of God. He is on the island called Patmos, which commentators say is just like a, a barren rock on the Aegean Sea. John is probably now about 90 years of age, and he has been put in exile because he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a prisoner. He's 90 years of age. He's exiled from friends and family. Physically, he is weak, but he is made to work very, very hard, very, very strenuously in the marble quarries there on the island of Patmos. Domination, the emperor of Rome, 
was one of the most cruel emperors of Rome. He declared himself as God. People talk about men having power and power corrupting them. And they begin to think of themselves as God, that they can do as they wish and do as they please. And domination sentenced many to death. Those who would not worship him And many of God's people were martyred. Many were burned at the stake. Many were thrown to the lions. Many were used as human torches. They they were dipped in tar and set alight. Many were crucified. Even mothers, babies, hung around their neck, as it were, were put to death. Many were wrapped in animal skins and thrown to the dogs. So John was on this isle of Patmos and he says, I'm in tribulation. I'm suffering persecution for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. You know, we live in a day and an age when the worldview is against Christ and against the Lord's Day, against his church, against his people. And all the things that are pure and right and virtuous and holy and righteous, they're scoffed at, they're mocked by this world. And we should not think that a strange thing, because when you have humanism and secularism, and evolutionism, and communism, and socialism, and all these things. The worldview of men and women is against the things of God and against the truths of God. That's why these laws are, are being passed. The things that are described in the Word of God as being wrong and being sinful. Man, like this old emperor of old, he thinks he can change them and he can call what is wrong. He can call it right and make it right. He can take things that are evil and he can call them good. And so we have a society and God's people, the Bible says, think it not a strange thing if you encounter a fiery trial, if your faith is tried and John's faith was tried. And he was exiled from home and family. And he was sent to Patmos. But in Patmos, we think about his patience. You'll notice, and I love these words. John says, I was in the Spirit, in verse 10, on the Lord's day. Now, Patmos, as I have said, it was an island. Maybe six miles by ten miles But John was one of those disciples who witnessed the transfiguration of Christ. He witnessed the crucifixion of Christ. He witnessed the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ. And now he has this wonderful vision of the Savior. But there was a famous Roman philosopher, a man called Seneca. And 30 years before John was sent away to the island of Patmos, Seneca, he was banished because of 
his ideas and his thoughts to the island of Corsica. You know what he said about it? He said, this is a living death. Nothing have I but exile and an exile's grave. That's one of this world's great philosophers. And he's put in exile. And he says, this is a living death. I have nothing, but I'm in exile, and I'm going to die in exile. Listen to what John says. He says, I was in Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, but I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And that lifts things up onto a higher plane. John says, I was there at Pentecost. I witnessed the Holy Spirit being poured out upon the church, upon the 120 who met at Pentecost. I seen Jesus die on the cross. I seen him after he was raised from the dead. I witnessed him on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I see him now, and he's with me. I'm in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he says he's praising God. He found a place even on Patmos. In the midst of all this persecution and trials that he met with the Lord. He says, I was in the Spirit. That phrase is used at least four times in the book of the Revelation. Here on the island of Patmos and then in chapter 4 before the throne of God. And then as it were in the wilderness and, and again later on in the book, but all times but meeting with Christ. We sometimes get it difficult as Christians. I don't know what your particular patmos or trouble or difficulty may be, but we need to take a lesson from John and his allegiance to Christ. Like the old Indian prince of whom the little chorus is written, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The world behind me and the cross before me, no turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Sometimes in, in places of employment, whether it be on a building site, in a hospital, in an office, in a factory, wherever it might be. Sometimes young people at school or college. Sometimes maybe someone's the only believer in the family, in the family circle, and you feel that it's hard and it's difficult. But just remember John and his allegiance and his faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, every Christian, as it were, we, we, we dwell, as it were, on, on, on two places. We're in this world. We live in this world, but we're not off this world. And Paul, John says, I, I was on Patmos, but I was in the Spirit. So you have the saint's allegiance to Christ. But then I want you to notice the sudden appearance of Christ. John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's being persecuted. And suddenly, the Lord Jesus Christ appears to him. 
Now, as God's people, as we go through our lives, and maybe we suffer persecution or hardship or difficulty, or maybe just because of our circumstances, the old devil whispers in our ear and says, you're never going to make it. You're never going to get victory. Your family's never going to be, be, be complete in Christ. The, the devil, uh, he, he's a liar and a deceiver and a murderer, and he tells you there's no hope. But suddenly, the Lord can step in to your situation. The Bible says in the last book of the Old Testament, we're looking at the, the last book of the New Testament, but think of those words in the last book of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi in chapter 3 and in verse 1 it says, Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. The Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight, and behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's the way it was. When the Old Testament scriptures were closed, the book of Malachi, over 400 years, and then suddenly, as John the Baptist came, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. Behold the Lamb of God, Jesus came. Suddenly, the Lord appeared. And we have said, John was there at Pentecost in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Listen, they had been persecuted. They were hiding for fear of the Romans. They, they were in fear even for their very lives and they're, they're, they're gathered together and they're in the upper room and they're praying and they're all in one place and they're all in one accord. Verse 2 says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. So many times in the scriptures the Lord suddenly appears to his people. When Paul and Silas were in the, the jailhouse in Philippi and they sang praises and they prayed unto God at the, at the night season. You remember the Bible says in verse 25 of Acts 16, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately every man's bands were opened and every man's, the doors were loosed. Suddenly, God can step in to the situation. Way back in the Old Testament, I'll not turn to it, but away in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 29 and verse 36, there was a reformation carried out by Hezekiah. And they took all the, the filthiness out of the holy place and they, 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 they cleaned up the house of God. And the Bible says, the thing was done suddenly. God worked. And so it's happened. John was there on the Isle of Patmos and he was listening and looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord suddenly appeared unto him. You know, that situation that seemed so impossible, 
That situation, and there seems no way out of it. That situation that seems so difficult. That door that will not open. Suddenly, the Lord can come. Just remember years ago, there was some of the, the ladies out of Dunmurray Free Presbyterian Church, and they used to sing together, and used to sing a wee gospel hymn. Just keep on praying till the light breaks through. Just keep on praying. He will answer you. And my, if we just keep on looking to the Lord and trusting in him with our allegiance in him, suddenly the Lord can appear. Now, John, as we say, is suffering. He's in solitude. And uh, he's there on the Isle of Patmos. But he didn't allow the, what we may talk about, the pollsters and the popularity polls of Rome and the popular culture and the pop psychology and the prejudices to blot out Christ's voice. You see, it's easy because you and I are bombarded from uh, the morning till evening by the, the radio and the television and, and the newspapers and, and they're so far left. And they bombard us with all these things. I was listening to a preacher the other night and he said a, 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 an interesting thing. He, he must have played a game of golf now and again. Uh, and he says, he says, my preaching's like my golf. He says, it's very long, but it always goes to the right. <laughs> and he says, it gets me into trouble. Well, many of us are like that, but we're bombarded by the media. And as the hymn writer says, this old world is not a friend of grace to help you or help me unto God. So John was listening. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then you'll notice when the Lord appeared on him, John is looking. Uh, and John knew Jesus, remember. He, he, he's the beloved disciple. He's spoken of as the disciple whom Jesus loved. We read about him in his gospel. He's leaning upon the Savior's breast, the Son of Man. Don't you notice now the picture that he receives of the Lord Jesus Christ? Look there at verse 14. The Bible says, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And as John turns to see this voice that spoke with him. He was listening. And verse 12 says, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. He saw the seven golden candlesticks or lampstands. And then he sees the Lord Jesus and his head and his hairs are white like wood. And it speaks about the sovereignty of Christ, his majesty, his eternity. He's the, the all-wise one. And then those hair that were white as uh, as wool and white as snow. That, that reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. He is the Lamb of God. And Isaiah the prophet, you remember in chapter 1 and verse 18, he says, though your sins are red like crimson, they shall be as white as wool. Though they be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And John turns and he sees the Lord Jesus Christ when he saw him on earth. He was a young man in his prime, in his 30s. 
And now he looks upon him, but his hair is white as wool. And it's to speak about the wisdom and the sagacity and the, 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 the power and the majesty and the sovereignty that Jesus has. And reminds us of the sacrifice that he made. And then verse 14, he says, his eyes were as a flame of fire. John says, when the Lord Jesus looks those eyes are a flame of fire, the searching of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we talk about someone and they say, you know, he, he looked through me. He looked right through me. The Bible reminds us that when Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord looked at him. He just looked. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. And those eyes of flame of fire. And the one who says to the churches, I know thy works. He knows all about us. The very thoughts and the intents of our heart. And then you notice verse 15. It says his feet are like unto fine brass. That speaks about the scrutiny of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has suffered at Calvary. The one who has paid the price for our salvation and dealt with our sins. But he is the one who will come and judge. Brass in the Bible always speaks of judgment. His feet are like unto fine brass. They're the same feet that walked the dusty roads of Galilee. In fact, they're the same feet that walked upon Galilee. They're the same feet that were nailed to an old Roman cross. But now they are described as feet of brass. Because when he came the first time into the world, he came to be saviour. When he comes the second time, he's coming as king of kings, lord of lords, and judge of all the earth. And then you'll notice also in verse 15, his voice as the sound of many waters, the speaking Christ. All the rivers of the revelation of God and his word are found in Christ. Out of his mouth there was a sharp two-edged sword. God hath on these last days, the Bible says, Hebrews 1, spoken unto us by his Son. I don't know why you've ever had the privilege of being to Canada and to be in at the Niagara Falls and there when you stand at the Niagara Falls there's so many million uh, cubic uh, of tons of, of water flow over the, 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 the falls and the noise is tremendous you have to shout to one another to be heard well when Christ speaks and when he speaks one day in judgment all the voices that have been raised against him from time immemorial, all the voices that Satan has raised up as cohorts, as followers, to cry against Jesus, they'll all be silenced, for his voice is the voice of many waters. And you notice his strength. The hand always speaks of strength. Verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars. Had in his right hand Seven stars later on, we're told, were the seven angels or the messengers of the seven churches. 
And you'll notice then his shining. He talks about his countenance was like the sun shineth in his strength. The purity, the majesty, the sovereignty, the deity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's not coming back to this world to be mocked or spat upon, scorned or crucified. He's coming back in glory. So we think about the, the saints' allegiance to Christ. We think about the, the sudden appearance of Christ. Let me close very quickly with two things. The splendid apparel of Christ. When he was in this world, he wore a peasant's robe. Now what does it say? It says in verse 13, He was clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's wearing this garment. He's a girdle, a golden girdle about his breast. The garment goes right to his feet. When he was in this world, as I said, he wore the peasant's garment. But now he comes. If you were to take time, and we haven't time to go into it, but if you were to take time to go into the Old Testament scriptures, you'd find that this was the garment, the long garment of the priest in the book of Exodus 28 and 29 and the book of Leviticus. It was the, 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 the garment of the prophet. Daniel talks about the garment of fine linen and the girdle of fine gold, the messenger, God's messenger to men. This is the, 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 the message or the, the garment of the king. Ezekiel 26 and 16 talks about the robes of the great ones. It's the same word that is used about Jonathan and Saul and the great princes even of the sea. It's this long garment down to the feet. The lamb that once was crowned with thorns, the hymn writer says, is crowned with glory and eye, and he appears in all his glory and his majesty and his beauty to John, and he's here glorious and majestic in his authority. Just one final thought, he speaks about the sweet assurance of Christ. Verse 17 says, when I saw him, John, when I saw this vision of the Lord Jesus, John says, I saw, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. But notice that tender touch. He laid his right hand upon me. Laid his right hand upon me. The one who touched the leper and cleansed him. The one who touched the blind and gave him sight. The one who touched the dead and raised him to life. He touches John and he raises him up. And you notice the lovely title, the tremendous title here in verse 17 uh, and 18. He says, uh, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha, the Omega. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Here's the truth that the Lord was teaching him. John, you're on Patmos. You're my servant. You're faithful. But I can come. I'll be with you. And I'll be with you unto the end. Remember, I'm the first and the last. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. I'm the one who was dead. And I am alive again. And all power is mine. And I have the keys of hell and death. 
Therefore, he says, John, fear not. Isn't that the same words that the old prophet Isaiah heard in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10? Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And again in chapter 43, those words, just finishing these words in verse 1, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, and thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God. Fear not, for I am with thee, and bring thee and thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. Isn't it encouraging that the Lord has promised he'd never leave us, never forsake us? And he never did. Never has done that to any of his servants. Blessed are all they that trust and him. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. We'll have we word of prayer together, please. Father in heaven, we thank thee again today for the simple message of thy word. We thank thee for John, for his life, his testimony, even under great persecution and opposition. And we thank thee, Lord, for the faithfulness of our God. Lord, the hymn writer can say, Great is thy faithfulness, O God our Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Lord, you've been faithful to your servants, to your saints all down through the ages. And Lord, we thank thee today that you've been faithful to us as thy people. Lord, help us to look to thee in every situation. And may we hear those lovely words, fear not, for I am with thee. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.